0: Max him down, Giannis.
1: On Buck's, I'm your host Kane Pittman. You can see me and hear me on this podcast Monday to Friday, and also see my words and read my words over at ESPN and NBA Australia. Joining me is the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And uh, as we do every day, before we get into it, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. As I said, free wherever you get your podcast. Also, now on YouTube, if you are just uh, listening to us for the first time or joining us for the first time. And uh, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Frank, first time we've caught up this week, been a couple of days. And you know that we have some new listeners because over the weekend, people are starting to panic, Frank, when there was no podcast, uh, no post game pod after two games. The first one was my fault, internet problems. The second one, it's the weekend. Sometimes during the regular season, we try and at least give ourselves... Uh, night off there from doing the post game pods particularly if it's not a big game if it's a marquee game we'll come together we'll figure it out we'll do something Uh, but the san antonio spurs eh, uh, i don't know i don't know about that one but i will say this i didn't mention this on yesterday's pod but i meant to
0: i did if patty mills was still in san antonio you would have obviously felt differently but you know the current spurs just just not quite interesting enough right well,
1: I did find it a little bit strange. We're going to move on to this Bucks win against the Pacers, 119-109. They're 3-1 and on the season. But I did feel a little bit strange to me that the Bucs were severely undermanned in that San Antonio game. They weren't necessarily playing their best, but they still just pushed out this double-digit win. And it was still just such a strange thing that the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. We're always just able to keep San Antonio at arm's length on the road. How many times have the Spurs done that to the Bucs with players missing? So, uh, you yeah, know, this is this is the life of covering the Milwaukee Bucks this time, uh, in this time. But the Bucs beat the Pacers, as I said, 119 to 109. No Drew Holiday, no Brooke Lopez, no Bobby Portis, no Dante DiVincenzo, no Shemi Ojale. Am I missing anyone? There was a lot of players out of this lineup. I didn't know what to expect coming in, offensively at least. Uh, this was a fun one. This was a fun one, Frank, and, uh, and it started uh, with the And you were tweeting some of the numbers out during the game. Uh, found his efficiency, can we say?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was, <clears throat> I was looking back. I was like, man, he he shot under fifty 30- percent. You know, each in the each of the first three games, um, and I was kind of curious. I was like, has that ever happened? And it had never happened in his NBA career. And uh, obviously, he just. I think last year he was under fifty percent only ten times all regular season. So, it's obviously not a common thing to happen and the first time that he'd been three straight games under 50% since March of 2020 right before uh the the pandemic basically um started. So, uh so yeah, I mean a little uncharacteristic from Giannis just in terms of the efficiency not really being there. And I mean the irony was he's hit a third of his his threes. It's not like he's just, you know, one of 20 from 3 and that's like totally dragging him down. I think the interesting thing was he was only at 61% finishing at the rim uh, in the first three games, which obviously is about 20% under his just ridiculous uh, typical pace from last year. So um, tonight I thought we saw you know some of that meaner version that we would have expected to, to kick in. We saw him just um, one of the weirdest looking, worst looking air balls you're going to see on a pull-up long two-point jump shot from him, and he also missed a couple of uh, threes. So I guess you could say vintage Giannis with his jump shot today. Uh, But, you know, first they had Miles Turner on him, then they tried Sabonis on him, and he was just getting around those guys with ease and just getting the rim. And um, interestingly, I mentioned it in the, in the, uh, like tweeted about it early in the game that, you know, we saw the last couple of years, um, both Nate Bjorkran and I think Nate McMillan both try, have had tried Malcolm Brogdon as an initial defender on Giannis in previous years and I remember that in part because I think it was two years ago I went to a game over Christmas and saw the Bucks and Pacers and Brogdon started on Giannis and Giannis had just kind of a weird game like he doesn't really know how to attack Brogdon in some ways because Brogdon's strong but he's like small you know um and we saw that in the fourth quarter and Giannis was 0 for 4 and scored one point in the fourth quarter but he was looking gassed um and fortunately they didn't really need him ultimately in that fourth quarter We were able to get some kickouts. He made some nice passes as well, finished with nine assists. Um, And, you know, between him and Chris Middleton who had 27 on 17 shots, seven assists, um, you know, the two guys that you would say, those are the two guys that you need to step up and really lead the way without Brooke, without Drew, uh, and without some of those ancillary pieces. Um, We certainly saw that tonight, second straight, you know, big game from Chris after that for San Antonio as well, doing Chris Middleton things um, with those 27 points and, um, really didn't need Giannis to kind of be at his best in the fourth quarter. As he played, I, I don't know how much he sat in that fourth quarter, if at all. He, he barely rested, and I think he looked a little bit gassed, But you know, thirty points, ten rebounds, nine assists, couple blocks, one steal. I think he had three steals. I've checked. It's a long story. I'm. I've got some issues with the official score in Indianapolis on some of the steal numbers. But um, yeah, MVP night from Giannis, and uh, was fun seeing some of the complimentary pieces. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Jordan Wara kind of doing some different things. And and the Nassas as well. should should uh, should call it the Nassas as well, starting next to Giannis, which shows you kind of exactly how dire the injury situation is. But fun night. Um, you know, a nice little uh nice little uh, what is it? Monday? Is this today? Today's Monday, right? Yeah, nice little Monday, Monday early start uh, from Indiana and uh, the Bucks dominance over the central division just continues I think it's now December 2018 the last time Giannis lost a game against a central division opponent which is just wild to think about
1: depends where you are in the world Frank uh, for me it's Tuesday afternoon as we're recording this <laughs> for you it's uh 10 p.m central time on Monday night yeah it was funny watching the ease with how Giannis was scoring early in this game as you sort of mentioned whether it was Sabonis or whether it was uh Miles Turner he was just blowing by those guys and it's funny that you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon because the guy that I was thinking about, which is like so funny to think about, is Thad Young. He actually was one of the guys that had some—I don't know what do you want to call it—success. He had some success, that at least that made was Malcolm
0: last time they that was last time they beat the Bucks that December twenty. I think that was like the Thad Young Giannis stopper night where Giannis had like fourteen points or something. Yeah, like he yeah. was
1: horrible. I was at that game. Yeah. I was, at, and that's that's probably why it stands out so much to me because I just remember it was so strange. After that was the first season that I was covering the team, night to night. And he was just on this path of absolute destruction. So it was so crazy when a guy somewhat slowed him down. Thad Young was that player. And, and you know, obviously Thad Young, I, I think he's in San Antonio
0: now. But anyway. Like, isn't playing, which is so yeah. weird. That Thad Young is, like, not playing and... By the way, was that, was that the, the road trip when like you and Eric almost like died in a patch of fog or yeah. snow or ice or whatever that was?
1: Yeah, it was. We stayed at some uh, hotel that I don't know what was more of a threat, the snowstorm that we had to drive through or the hotel that we stayed at. But anyway, we, <laughs> we survived them both, both recorded an episode of Locked On Bucks. It was great. You could go back in the archives and track that one down if you want. It was absolutely ridiculous. The passing is interesting. I want to ask you a question about Giannis's passing because I threw it up in our DM, and it, it sparked some conversation. Giannis said the nine assists tonight. Damn it! Go back and watch the replay. Which player cost him? Which which one was the worst miss? Do you know off the top of your head, Frank?
0: I don't. I don't know that there were any really egregious. I don't think there were any after he got to nine assists. So okay. obviously there were some misses early in the game. Um, but but I yeah, the, the he he kind of was piling up the assists in that fourth quarter when uh he he stopped stopped hitting shots himself so so yeah we'll just shy of the first triple double of the season but that's okay
1: all right well we'll get to that in a second before that i want to talk about direct tv stream uh this situation will feel familiar for many of our listeners and viewers you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. I know I've got about five different subscriptions. It's very annoying. You you just want to be in one place. And I can tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love Without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in the one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com compatible device required. Content varies by package. So as we continue to roll through here, I sort of teased the, the DM conversation that we had because I, I sent out a tweet during the game and basically said, you know, year on year, Giannis's passing continues to improve because you know he got to a point in this game and some of its personnel, as we mentioned, the big guys weren't really slowing him down. So then they panicked; more bodies were sent at him. Giannis was just doing whatever he wanted, and the shooters were loving it. Grace and Allen was getting open look after open look. So was Pat Connaughton. But I, I did feel, and and uh, you can completely disagree with this. I'm not sure if everyone will agree with this, but uh, the the way I described it is that I just feel like Giannis right now has a comfort level with how to find guys, how to navigate multiple bodies being thrown at him, better than ever before. The one pass that we always talk about and we always remember, and this is how I would explain it: remember that like over the head pass that he threw to Tony Snell in the first year of of the Bad Era, where he's kind of in midair and then just like tossed it over the back of his head. And that to me was the like the epitome of Giannis. No, he actually doesn't have eyes in the back of his head, but he knew there was going to be someone standing there. So obviously it took some skill, but it was also just an awareness of where players were meant to stand. I do feel that this year his passes have been more accurate. He's finding guys in the shooting pocket. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but there are some nights where you see him make some of these passes where it's just like, oh my God, this guy, this guy has taken a leap in his uh passing ability as well.
0: I think probably the biggest change. I, I, I think it'd be interesting to look at the data. I mean, I think really since the start of the Bud era, in particular, I mean, the find, knowing where he expects to have his three-point shooters and being able to sort of pass the spots, I think, has been something that you know he's been very good at now for a few years. Um, I think the dunker spot action and and keeping guys in the dunker spot has allowed him to show off a bit more of his interior passing opportunities as well. So, I mean, it really does feel like. You know, every every assist is either a layup or or a three pointer <laughs> with him, right? I mean, he's not getting like, you know, passes to somebody who's shooting a mid range jump shot, something like that. Um, so I, I and we saw that a, a number of times tonight. I think, I think George Hill had had, had hashtag George Hill dunker dunker spot George Hill. Uh, I thought about you tonight. What
1: about Thanasis dunker spot? I feel like yeah. all of Thanasis' buckets come from the dunker spot.
0: Yeah, I think he had like at least at least like three, maybe. Um, and I don't know if it was, there were two f- off of Giannis dump offs, but Giannis definitely found him for at least one or two dunks, um, which was fun, right? Because normally those guys don't play together very much just because obviously you're trying to put spacing around Giannis and Thanasis has typically been when he's played, he's been as Giannis's backup. So pretty cool to see them get to start together. Um, I always think back, remember, remember when it was Greek, Greek heritage night, night
1: yeah, against
0: yeah. the Nuggets a couple years ago and like they started them together and it was like very, it was like, did buds start the nasas just because it was pretty heritage <laughs> night it was very strange and then that was the night when i think like the nuggets like were missing a bunch of dudes and they had played the night before yeah. and they just shot the freaking lights out and the bucks just got like killed um in the end and it was just like fighting uphill but but anyway funny i think both starts the NASA had that year were against the nuggets they randomly had one in denver as well when a bunch of guys were were hurt but anyway neither here nor there but pretty cool I mean, and the the story is, is obviously, I mean, just a, another dimension of the Giannis story, like the fact that he's playing with his brother, he wins a championship with his brother, uh, tonight he gets to start with his brother, and they get to play off each other a little bit, pretty pretty damn cool, right, regardless of kind of what you think of Thanasis. I, I think actually Thanasis is like, it's kind of weird, even going back to the preseason, it's like, he's had some like surprisingly smooth finishes and like moves oh, yeah. around the basket, which have just been um, a nice little thing to see, so... Um, obviously he has his moments, especially where, I mean, again, like all the quote unquote big guys right now are being stretched because, you know, we've seen center Thanasis, you know, he kind of was the center tonight at times, just given Giannis was having foul trouble. They were trying to keep Giannis away from having to defend Sabonis because of those early fouls. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting game on a, on a number of fronts, but I thought the thing that was most surprising to me about this game was that in a lot of ways it was like. The Bucks, in terms of you know, we're used to seeing them use their size dominate inside, and there are usually a couple dimensions. We see them do that with one, the points in the paint, and you know, other than Sabonis, Pacers had pretty much nothing going on there tonight. I think they ended up at 34 points in the paint. At one point, it was 50 to 20 Bucks advantage in the paint, which was obviously largely Giannis, and it was also some of his passing and some of the offensive rebounding. Um, so pretty dominating performance there, and and again not necessarily a foregone conclusion, given all the guys that you're missing and missing so many big guys. Um, so that was really encouraging. Um, the rebounding has has been an obvious area where they have struggled without the size. Um, tonight again they were out rebound on the offensive glass. Um, I think they were at seventy five percent defensive rebound rate, which is which is okay, um, but only eleven percent. Uh, offensive rebound rate. So, again, they were not able to really, you know, kind of bully anybody inside. But the, the ironic part of me of playing this Pacers is like, you know, you think, oh, man, Bucks are so small. Pacers, you know, they start two really big guys. How are they going to kind of manage that? But Miles Turner just plays so small, you know? Like, <laughs> he's he like kind zingus. of like Kazingas. He just – yeah, all he does is, like, float around the perimeter. And he's not, like – you know, he, he, he needs to be open to shoot. Like he's not like shooting shots with guys in his face or something. And tonight, I mean, he only played 14 minutes. Basically he got, you know, Giannis just sort of did whatever he wanted early when Turner was guarding him. And then Gogo Bitadze actually like gave them some energy, not to say that he like, you know, was giving Giannis a lot of problems, but he was at least getting offensive rebounds I think he had seven total offensive rebounds. I mean, that was by far, he was the one guy for both teams that basically was getting offensive rebounds and had some nice energy. So he played 18 minutes, but it was just sort of strange because, you know, they really couldn't challenge the bucks down low other than when Sabonis kind of went to work. And, you know, we saw Sabonis, especially after Giannis sort of had to stop defending him because of the fouls. Um, you know, he got what drew a foul on Thanasis, like in the first 10 seconds. Um, and then there were some tough moments for Mamu <laughs> defensively trying to stick with sabonis who's just a really good player but i was kind of surprised to be honest i mean the, the, sabonis only ending up with 21 points they were an efficient 21 points but i mean it felt like if Rick kyle Carl had really been trying to exploit his matchups he could have gotten more out of that matchup than than they actually got but um either way bucks you know even with the lack of size and Giannis having to start at center again um you know i think all told you kind of look at it you know only 17 free throws allowed for the Bucs, uh, 106 defensive rating, which certainly you're more than happy to take against uh, a pacer team that obviously has some talent. Uh, and again, that huge advantage in paint uh, point, points in the paint. <laughs> uh, and then the other big piece was the fast break, right? Um, the fact that, you know, they were able to turn over the Pacers a lot. Brogdon, seven turnovers, uh, a total of 19 turnovers for the Pacers turning into 22 bucks points. Meanwhile, 14 turnovers for the Bucks and just six points off that turned into 24 to six fast break edge for the Bucks. So um, so they were able to kind of, you know, play with speed when they wanted to uh, and then keep the Pacers, meanwhile, on the other side, playing pretty much a half court game and, you know, really not, um, I don't know, it never felt like the the Pacers, other than the, the, the first quarter when they got going and they hit some threes early, it never felt like the Pacers were really like threatening them or really controlling the game and kind of like the San Antonio game a bit where it was kind of close early defense maybe wasn't as good as you wanted early but then over the course especially of the second half you built the lead and um, you know Pacers made a big run in the fourth quarter but for the most part I think just Bucks looking pretty steady I'll be honest a lot of the execution down the stretch was not great um, but you know never really felt too uncomfortable other than that one moment when they when the Pacers got it down to five but Bucks stabilized pretty quickly and again you know when you're the champs you know how to win basketball games (laughs) that's what you do uh and you know these last two games i think beating a couple of like you know again we don't know exactly i don't know how good the spurs are going to be the the pacers should be pretty solid even with some of the injuries right now to their wings but um you know just workmanlike effort just go out do what you do your best players are the best players on the court and you just kind of keep grinding out wins
1: yeah, I've got defensive struggles uh, down the bottom of the screen here, but maybe it's defensive challenge because I don't think you can look at the box score, as you said, and looked at the numbers and say that they struggled tonight because the numbers will tell you it was a pretty solid performance. But, yeah, just personnel-wise, I mean, Thanasis, who, you know, I, everyone knows can be a bit of a foul machine. He only played the 19 minutes tonight, picked up the five fouls. But, again, it's hard to be critical of a guy that you're asking to defend it's a bonus, you know. I mean, it's it's just a really, really difficult task, and I felt bad for Mamo at, at one point during this game. I mean, he it's his fourth or fifth game in the league, whatever it is, and there's no there's no allowance for him to ease his way into it and find a comfort level it's like no you're defending you know some really super talented big men so look those things are going to happen we mentioned it on the podcast yesterday a lot of these lineups just really wouldn't have even practiced together I mean they didn't practice the other day they went to George Hill's ranch so I don't think that they're too too concerned about it at this point but yeah it's just it's, it's a challenge right now with none of these big guys in Bobby Portis wasn't on the injury report then didn't end up playing so you get the sense that he's getting close but Really, when you look at the dates of this now, this is a hamstring injury that is sort of hitting that three-week mark-ish. So while they said it was a little bit of a twinge at the start, that's pretty stock standard hamstring stuff. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he he returns here soon. Before we go to the next segment, though, I, I do want to just get yeah, a temperature check on this. These these take fouls, Frank. We saw this in the conference finals against Atlanta where it was just foul, foul, foul. Every single time the Bucks were looking uh, to get out on a fast break. Uh, the, every team seems to be doing it now, and geez, it's just terrible to watch. And if you watch FIBA basketball, and obviously here in Australia, I cover the cover the Australian league as well. They they play under FIBA rules, and if you do that, it's uh two free throws and the ball. So it's basically the the clear path foul penalty because it 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 essentially is a clear path without fitting the definition of a clear path. I mean, you're stopping a three on one, a two on one, whatever it may be. And I wish I had the tweet here to give the. The Twitter user credit here because uh, I thought it was a good point. It's just stopped so many highlights. He says, What happens if the Knicks foul and Giannis didn't get to jump over Tim Hardaway Jr.? Come on, like, you just, you just stop in highlights tonight. There was a lob from Giannis to Thanassus, which would have been really fun. So just annoying, just annoying and, and tough to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly thought, especially given the, how much talk there was during the Olympics about people liking the way it was enforced. And again if you didn't watch the olympics the referees have full discretion to call this and there's no replays of it so it's just a you know call it like they see it two free throws get the ball move on and that's it and you know i think the the, the big important the most important part of it is just i think just the incentives it creates um not just the punishment you get in the moment but the fact that um that it does encourage teams to to not do that specifically and i think I think the ultimate sign that you need to do something, you know, as a sport is when, you know, we've all seen it, right? Oh, smart foul, smart foul Fouls foul shouldn't be smart. Like We shouldn't say that fouls are good or smart. You know, if you're complimenting fouls, it means that there's a flaw in, in the incentive yeah. structure of the sport. And so I think, you know, the fact that now fouling in the backcourt to prevent fast break basketball is considered smart and a good thing that tells you that we're not incentivizing the right things. And so I think the concern should always be, you know, do you create just another thing that slows the game down because you're going to go replay things? Um, I, I think the obvious thing to do is for the league, and I obviously it didn't happen this year, next year to implement kind of a, a two pieces to this. Like one, take the um, clear path follow rule and kind of wrap it up all into this. And just don't replay it. Just don't replay it. Just say it's called on the floor. You know, maybe if you want to say, you know, if you want to say um, the the take fouls are not called in the final two minutes of like the game or something like that. That's what no. I. That's what that's what I think. Because you can knock down
1: some clutch free throws. Keep that in the game.
0: Yeah. So you know that that might be one thing you could do. But in the course of the game, the fact that you know you're basically telling the defense, no, no, no just just foul and don't let highlight plays be made. Don't let the offense kind of use its advantage um again i think that's just that's just stupid and i've heard people say like well you you know the ref should be able to like play advantage like they do in soccer i don't really like that because then you're then you're incentivizing the team the defense to foul harder uh and it's like okay i don't i don't want them to foul harder yeah um but like we saw today like i think two of those plays the guy literally passed it and then was fouled like as the ball was like being released it's like part of me is just like why you know like the officials it was not like they were like body checking like why are you even calling that in the first place but i think the obvious answer is to you know essentially it's called the euro foul in, you know in however you want to refer to it but these sort of take files just i mean they're just not good for the sport and again i think we're just incentivizing the wrong thing and the interesting thing was i had to kind of go look this up the g league implemented their version of this like three years ago and in that version of it they give you one free throw on the ball So it's not like this is even foreign to sort of the NBA ecosystem. Um, It's not purely a FIBA thing. So yeah, I I just don't understand how we don't even at least see the one free throw version of this uh, get implemented um, as they have in the G League. And I think in the G League, anybody can shoot the free throw. So it's not like it has to be, you know, like a bad foul shooter that you fouled or something like that. Literally anybody can shoot the free throw. So, So yeah, I think it's just kind of common sense type stuff. And again, I think the clear path rule, like the fact that we're reviewing with video replay, random clear path files that probably are like pretty obvious in like the first quarter games and stopping the game. I mean, like, why? You know, just just who cares? So I think just in general, take get rid of the re, the replay on clear path files. Bring in sort of these Euro file, take file type enforcement. And again, if you don't like it at the end of games, just you know, have it, don't have it applied to the last two minutes.
1: Yeah, even the final sixty seconds would probably do the trick anyway. Not too many teams are, are having those take fouls, and, you know, with a minute forty to go. But anyway, yeah, I, I think it's. I think honestly, this one would be most basketball fans would would give this one the tick of approval. I would bet that this rule comes into play next year. That would be my bet. But if you are interested in betting, you can go to betonline.ag because they are back better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code... Locked on uh, to receive your bonus there. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, nearly wrapped up there. World Series starts this week. NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. You can check it all. Uh, check it all out at Bet Online. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. And then I mentioned right off the top, our show today is sponsored by RockAuto.com. Save time and money when using RockAuto. Why would you choose to spend thirty percent, fifty percent, even hundred percent more? For the same parts from a chain store or car dealership uh, you can get a honda odyssey fuel pump for 216 bucks from rockauto.com it's 350 in a chain store there so uh, that's 137 bucks saving pretty good rock auto is a family business serving so do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years the prices are reliably low for every customer they've got everything you need from brake parts tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet so just go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck just write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com uh, as always like i said at the top thank you for making locked on bucks your first listen of every day but your second listen of every day could be locked on Packers. The Packers had another win six in a row. They're playing Thursday night. Packers fans are starting to get a little bit fired up. I can see some confidence on my Twitter timeline with Packers fans. So we'll see. This is going to be a big game this week. Uh, that will be fun, but check out the locked on Packers podcast with Peter Bukowski. So Frank, the other night you said you you were trying to push me into talk about Pat Connerton and I resisted, but he's had another couple of good games. We mentioned he had a couple of big threes in the fourth quarter against San Antonio Hit another big three, got a pretty nice bounce on, on this one against the Pacers when they were making a, a little bit of a run there. But just a reliable player. And Grayson Allen, again, season high 19 points for him. I actually had to change over and watch the Pacers broadcast here or the Bucks broadcast just kept on messing up for me. So I flipped to the Pacers and they were talking about how happy Grayson Allen must be. That now he's playing on the Bucks and he's got Giannis passing him the ball and, and getting all these wide open threes and I have to agree with that point. I reckon he'd be feeling pretty good at the moment
0: with some of these looks he's getting. And it's a nice combination of obviously the three point looks. That's that's where he's going to take most of his shots at the end of the day. Uh, but also I think opportunistically, you know, his his control and and driving to the basket. I mean, I, I hate to always make it a Dante versus Grayson comparison <laughs> because you know we obviously hope that in the not so distant future both those guys will be playing and contributing and you know i think when you look at the the bucks backcourt depth i mean the fact that we've seen justin robinson in every game even the ones that have had drew holiday uh, not ideal um <laughs> i mean you know the bucks are i've played each of their two-way guys every game so far this season which you can't do that for the rest of the season, you know, like those guys have, you know, can't play every game because of their two-way contract status. Um, But yeah, I think Grayson Allen, I think is, you know, again, you know, has he been absolute lights out every game? No, but I think we've seen sort of different, the different kinds of things that he can do. Obviously the three-point shooting, you love to see, you know, his ability to punish teams uh, for collapsing on Giannis in particular. Um, We've seen, you know, he had the six assist night, which is really, you know, encouraging to see just again the fact that he does have that kind of ball moving instinct when it's not there for him. And I think tonight again, you know, we've seen it repeatedly in previous games as well. Um when teams close out on him, he's able to put the ball on the deck and and attack and get to the rim and and finish and, you know, Again, I, I I'm not expecting the worst, which unfortunately, like with, with Dante attacking the pain, I always sort of feel like something is not going to kind of connect at the end of the day with Dante. So, again, not to
1: he's going to have a bit more fight, Frank. Bit not more to fight. not
0: to slander Dante or anything like that, because I I mean, again, I think the Bucks, man, if we get a, if you get a you know the the old you know the the last season pre-injury version of Dante, and you add that to this group. That's going to be really exciting, you know, when you think about just the the depth you're going to you're going to get with that, and the fact that you've got then a guy who has more of a defensive bent um, than Grayson does, because that's obviously you know not Grayson's certainly not his strong suit on the defensive end. I think he competes, but he's not Dante defensively. Um, and again, just Dante and the versatility that he has, I think he's going to be a really nice addition whenever that comes. But you know, for now, obviously, great to have Grayson Allen kind of fitting in and looking comfortable, and Pat Connaughton just not missing a beat from uh his postseason run right i mean just continues to contribute the timely you know talking about grace and allen being able to attack closeouts and kind of be a timely guy attacking the rim pat's really been doing the same thing um you know just being able to to when it's needed put the ball on the deck get to the rim finish um obviously that's just a very very useful thing to have and I, again pat pat's ability as well just to you know defend multiple positions and um, you know, sometimes it's felt like the Bucks have been kind of had to do it with smoke and mirrors here without all their big guys. Um, but obviously, I think Connaughton's done done a really nice job and, um, you know, uh, he keeps this up. He's opting out next summer, for, you know, which maybe people weren't expecting, but uh, he's looking like a bargain right now. And obviously, it's even more important with uh, with the guys that they've been missing. Um, although we did, hey, we did see a Rodney, we did get a Rodney Hood sighting tonight and he did hit that. Splash that nice transition three that that Giannis set up for him.
1: Um, then he took. Then he took a horrible one. But hey, hey,
0: it was a two for. That was the two for one, right? Ah, he just like jacked a, a ah, bad three at the on. end of a quarter <laughs> with thirty seconds left. Yeah, it was not great. Um, but uh we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, we've been. I've been joking with uh, you and Eric about how I've been just sort of trying to figure out how we get Justin Robinson out of the. <laughs> out of the regular rotation because it's just that's the thing right i mean you talk about the buck's depth and it's like well they're missing all these big guys so it's like of course they're gonna have to play like mamu and thanasis a ton and you know, you're gonna see some pretty funky stuff with the big man rotation but it's like you know like dante's out obviously and now you've had drew out um but even in the two games where drew played you know i don't know how many played how many she played in the nets game but you know high teens in that game he played 25 minutes in san antonio we're still seeing justin robinson literally every game so i've been trying to think like uh how do we make it so that justin robinson doesn't have to play every night because i just feel generally better if you're not having to play both of your two-way guys every night um but uh but yeah we'll see we'll see what rodney hood's got left and um you know again george hill starting again tonight and um, didn't have the three ball working as he did the other day in San Antonio. But um, since we didn't talk the other day or I wasn't, you know, we haven't talked really since game one. Um, I think that's been kind of one of the subtle things that I've been encouraged by is just George Hill looking like he's got kind of some juice left in those legs. He had that big dunk, which kind of got lost in the shuffle um, in Miami. And then was able to get to the rim a couple times in San Antonio as well knocked knock down some open threes, uh, you know, Good, good signs. I'd, again, I, I want Drew to come back. So we're not having to rely on George Hill to play big minutes every night and be the only, you know, true point guard other than Justin Robinson in rotation. But it's been, uh, it's been good to see George at least, you know, looking a lot like the the old George Hill that we've been used to.
1: All right. As we look to wrap this up, I remind everyone about the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast with my good friend Josh Lloyd from Down Under. You can check out that if you play fantasy basketball. And he'll have you set up for the season ahead. Uh, perhaps some of the Bucks projections in fantasy have been thrown out the window here early in the season. Uh, before we do completely finish this, though, Frank, I want to dig out an old favorite for a long time locked on Bucks listeners. You used to use, or Eric used to use this phrase with Thon Maker. But I want to ask the question: Is Jordan Warra a rim protector? And I didn't get, I didn't quite get high enough pitch there, but. Yeah, everyone will know what I'm talking about. Jordan War, another two blocks tonight. What's going on? Why is he
0: swatting all these shots all of a sudden? He's got five blocks in four games. He's Unbelievable. got he's got four blocks in the last two games. And these aren't like cheap blocks either, They're right? Awesome. It's not like it's not <laughs> like he's like, you know, stripping a guy on the way up and it's oh like God. a block, you know, that the scorekeeper gives you credit for. I mean, tonight he has another two, I mean he 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 rotates over. Sabonis thinks he's got a seal for a layup and Wara comes over and blocks it over the rim. It was kind of a funny, funny sequence. And then he had another block where he, I think he was like, I think I forget who it was. It's somebody like they had like kind of deep post and deep post position and kind of turned baseline to try to put off the glass and Jordan just blocked it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, probably the Durant block will remain as, as the highlight uh, so far of his defensive season, but yeah, just, just generally been really impressed with kind of his, um, his defensive playmaking. Did it, did did anybody expect to say that they'd be impressed by Jordan War's defensive playmaking? I thought um, it might. I, I thought it might take some time, but I
1: didn't think we'd been sitting here one week into the season saying that Jordan War is doing stuff that isn't scoring. Like I thought it might take some time, but you're right. Yeah. It's impressive.
0: And and three assists tonight as well. Um, you know he's got uh, seven assists now. I think has. I think he may have matched his uh, his assist total from last year. I'd have to double check this. Um, but seven assists hasn't had a turnover the last two games, just two turnovers, um, on the season. And, you know, I mean, I think the important thing here is that we really have not seen great basketball from Jordan war in the way that we would expect. He has not shot the ball very well at all. Um, he hasn't been over 50% in any game so far this season. Uh, you know, it's not like he's really gotten hot, uh, shooting the ball, but, uh, the fact that he's competing defensively. I will not say that he's playing great defense, but he's competing defensively. Uh, And then, yeah, and and by the way, I'm just looking at his numbers, and on ESPN, he had literally this block, I'd forgotten about this, but this block um, at the rim in transition where he blocked it off the backboard to start a break the other way. I mean, these are hustle plays, these these are, you know, this is defensive playmaking from Jordan Wara, and, you know, the offense will kind of come and go, but you know, it's the old, the old adage, right? Like defensive effort and just kind of making the decisions. I mean that, that shouldn't come and go, right? Like the, that effort shouldn't wane. He may not always be blocking shots every night, but uh, I think if you're Mike Budenholzer, A, you don't have a whole lot of choice, but to play Jordan War right now. Uh, but B, the fact that he's going out there and again, just competing and playing hard. Um, and, you know, even if the shot isn't falling, it doesn't feel like he's really hurting you a whole lot, you know, nine points on eight shots tonight. Not great, but four rebounds, three assists, a couple blocks uh, in 23 minutes. I think it's just encouraging stuff from Jordan. And again, he'll continue to think, hopefully get smarter and better in terms of positioning and some of the decision-making. But he'll also start to make shots at a higher clip. We know he's capable of that. So, so yeah, a very uh, encouraging start to the season from Jordan and not necessarily in the way that we were expecting.
1: Well, given all the injuries that we've had to start the season and some of the lineups that the Bucs have had to play, the fact they're sitting third in the Eastern Conference right now as we record this 3-1 and one on a season is is pretty nice. It's a nice spot to be in. Uh, we've said we don't know how hard they're going to go throughout the regular season, but you bank these wins early and put yourself in a good position. So it's uh, it's a good spot to be in 3-1. and one. They've got the Timberwolves in a couple of nights' time, Wednesday night back at Fyster Forum, so that'll be fun. They've been there after opening night, so they'll get home and play uh, the T Wolves and uh, and that should be a good game there. So we'll be back tomorrow uh, as always with the show Monday to Friday but we'll leave it here for now for Frank and myself to speak to you guys tomorrow.